listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. This drives in a pull-up three. Oh, drives, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Hello, my name is Andy Yanez, and welcome back to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. We had another unique episode of Pod Slamma Jamma where we recorded it live via Twitter spaces. We were joined by, obviously, of course, my co-host at Dayon Dunlap, that's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P on Twitter. We had a couple of other co-hosts, at Justin Barbosa, at J Barbosa, capital P, lowercase x, capital P, on Twitter, and also Akib Ghazi on Twitter, at Akib M. Ghazi. And we were also joined throughout the show by special guest Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. That's at VHR Review on Twitter. And we talked all things UH men's basketball team following their regular season finale loss to the Memphis Tigers. We talked about that game. We looked ahead at the American Athletic Conference tournament. Obviously, of course, Sunday's game had no outcome on Houston being locked in as the number one seed for the conference tournament. We talked concerns. We had post-game comments from head coach Calvin Sampson and more. And before we get into it, the main show, thank you for tuning in. Once again, Pod Samage Amaker in your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. So my name is Andy Yanez. Uh, my official Twitter account is, uh, I guess, a listener in the space. But Dayan, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit before we get right into it in terms of you know, initial analysis, initial post-game reaction of Houston-Memphis, really a, a dominant victory for the Tigers, a wire-to-wire victory that, honestly, it, it never seemed like Houston was in the game from the get-go. Yeah, it was, and I'll just make it quick. I'm Dayon Dunlap, man. You can follow me. You can just click the link, of course, just follow me. But, yeah, I, Houston, I mean, not Houston, Memphis dominated, man. And and um, real quickly before we we get into any specifics, so final score: Memphis defeats Houston seventy five to sixty one. And and albeit, I guess ultimately for Houston, the game didn't doesn't matter at the end of the day in terms of standings. Or uh, I guess technically they they ended up getting their first quad one victory after uh, Oklahoma State knocked off Texas Tech last night. So they get those checks off the boxes. But obviously after uh, what happened last month at the Fertitta Center, um, it, it just seems like Memphis, well, first, obviously off the tip, it, it, every time they play Houston, it seems like they're obviously motivated to go. They they want to be Houston every time they meet. But um, in this game in particular, it just seemed like Houston was was a step 
uh, too slow from everything Memphis did. We talked about it a little bit where when it came to, to – it seems like Memphis is a perfect matchup against Houston in terms of their bigs, their athletic, their physical. Yep. Uh, we saw DeAndre Williams be able to, to put the ball and create, play make, putting the ball on the floor, being able to get uh, Fabian White off of – honestly, off balance, trying to play catch-up. And Jalen yep. Duran. He he was um, he did his thing on the boards. He was able to get a couple of putback and ones. And to be honest, he he kind of had the nail in the coffin there in the second half when Houston had cut it down to to about thirteen. Uh, Penny Hardaway called timeout. They scored off a good set and a couple possessions after Jalen Duren kind of put the the final nail in the coffin with an end one. But Dayon, uh, Justin, I invited you to be co-host. Dayon, you go first. What were your your initial reaction from that game? I mean, it kind of started from that, that very first position, like you just mentioned with Williams, his ability to take um, Fave off the dribble kind of set the tone and as far as the energy for how Memphis played and sustained it throughout the entire game. I really feel like they controlled the entire pace of the game. They played at the space that they wanted to. They were able to speed Houston up, turn Houston, turn Houston over um, early and often. They kind of settled down in the second half, but their first half, Memphis was just playing in such a good rhythm. And I, I think they're going to be a dangerous team. Um, I, they definitely look like a tournament team. I, I don't know how anyone watching this game doesn't get them in. But as far as Houston goes, I think Shed um, got off to a slow start, especially in that first half. He he has to play better, especially going into tournament time. And it's, it's March, so everything is about to intensify itself times 10. And, and real quickly, Justin, I'll, I'll let you comment. We got Akib. Uh, he can comment as well. Anyone else would like to, to give in their thoughts of post-game reaction, anything that they saw from Houston Memphis looking ahead at the American Athletic Conference tournament and, heck, even the NCAA tournament that, that's uh, two weeks away. It's the best time of the year, so feel free to request to speak. We will we'll let you speak. This is your avenue to talk. Uh, Justin, what were your initial takeaways from that uh, game between Houston and Memphis? Yeah, Memphis defense was everywhere in that first half. Completely got Houston off your game. And one of the things I was really impressed with their defense, they took uh, Josh Carlton and Fabian White completely out of the game. Only held them to both combined eight shot attempts. So our front court really couldn't get into any kind of rhythm. I mean, they completely took Fabian White and Josh Carlton all out of the game and really gave our guards trouble. I mean, just a lot of turnovers early on for us and then I mean, got our offense so unbalanced. I mean, we really forced a lot of, uh, you know, unintentional turnovers, just unforced. A lot of live ball turnovers, too, which enabled Memphis to get out in transition and get some easy buckets and not go against our tough half-court defense. For sure. And, you, and Dan, you mentioned it, how uh, really it was uh, Jamal Shedd who, honestly, he probably had one of his worst performances, certainly in, in uh, the last few games where, I mean, first, it was the foul trouble in the first half. He really couldn't stay on the floor, and that, that really showed in terms of Houston's offense at, at towards the end of that first half where they were just look, – they looked discombobulated. Uh, you look at Jamal Shedd's stat line, he, he finishes with nine points, which, I mean, isn't too bad, but th- this is really the key right there. He had eight assists, but he had four turnovers to go along with it. Now, Jamal Shedd wasn't the only problem when it came to turnovers. Houston, uh, 
once again, they had 14 turnovers at the end of the first half. They finished with 20 turnovers. So in the two meetings that Houston and Memphis have played, the Tigers have forced Houston to, to turn the ball over 39 times, which is absurd and uncharacteristic for Houston. But it, it goes back to that matchup with Memphis. It, it just seems like they're they're a really good matchup. And, you know, once you get into March, once you get into the NCAA tournament, uh, to be honest, I feel like Memphis has kind of put the recipe to be able to beat this iteration of the Houston team. And, Dan, you mentioned it, where the, in a game like this is where they really missed Marcus Sasser, who he can create his own shot and he can he can get into He can force a Memphis's defense to have to kind of um, bring more attention to him to be able to open for, for other players. And, really, that's something that Houston didn't have in this game, especially once Jamal Shedd was in foul trouble. Yeah, two things real quick. Real to kind of piggyback on Marcus He's a player that you can just put the ball in his hands and get out of the way. He can cross you, step back three, and just create unscripted offense in which a lot of times I didn't, we didn't see players that was able to do that. It was either getting it inside the motion of the offense or pick and roll action. But with Marcus, you just give him the ball, get out of the way, and he can create not only for himself but for others. And then to Memphis, they do really do match up well, but I don't know if many teams has the athletic ability and the physicality that Memphis has. I mean – Watching that game, Memphis is one of the few teams who can match us physically and athletically, especially in the front court. And so, I mean, I think they definitely put the recipe, but how many teams that can actually – because you think about Wisconsin, they didn't beat us that way. They had Johnny Davis, probably the player, the national player of the year who dropped 30 on us. But they they beat us in a different way. And so, Memphis are definitely, definitely going to be tough. Okay, but I'll let you join here uh, while you were about to speak. But uh, what were your overall takeaways and what you saw from this game between Houston and Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I think we played obviously a little better in the second half. Um, we turned the ball a little bit less. But then there was that one point where uh, I think maybe around nine, eight minutes when we made like a nice run, um, we just got sloppy with it again. And I think that just speaks to like, like we said, you know, it was, it was four games in what, eight? I mean, four, yeah, four games in eight days. Like, yeah, that's kind of tough with like a depleted roster. You only really have five guys that are playing like heavy minutes. Like, you got Shed, Tajay, Kyler, Carlton, and Fabian, and the other guys. They'll give you some minutes here and there, like Jaywan and um, and Ramon. But um, like, I don't. I wasn't very. I wasn't overall like disappointed just because like, where's this? This roster is so depleted. So it was just, yeah, I mean, we expected them to fight a little more. But, yeah, I mean, I'll give credit to Memphis and um, and Penny Hardaway. Like, I know me and, <laughs> me and Dayon got, got oh. a little bit into it. Um, I, like, I mean, I'll, I mean I'm going to give credit for sure now, like, to Penny Hardaway. Um, I still think, like, you know, just because – I think Memphis, because they, overall, like, they're way more athletic. They have better, you know – I mean, they have more talented players, you know, from a recruitment standpoint. So I'm not going to give – I mean, I'll give Penny Hardaway his credit, but I just think, like, for sure he proved – Can you hear me? Some audio issues on uh... – yeah, yeah, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, cut out for a second. Okay, yeah, I was yeah, saying just yeah, – I think did. over the – I think – what did they start the their season off? I think they were, like, what, 12 and 8 maybe, something like that. Something like that. Um. So at that point, I think what helped them also was, you know, I, I don't know if Imani Bates, it was because of um, injury or – it's because, you know, it was a, a mutual thing where he wanted to leave the team. I don't know what's going on there exactly. Maybe someone else. I think it's, yeah. I think it's back, his back injuries because they showed him during yeah, the game. Yeah, they made him behind yeah. the bench. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I think him, 
you know, getting injured, obviously you'd never wish injury on any player, but I think that hope helped open up the team more for Memphis. And they you could see how Memphis was scoring today. It's like may, Tyler Harris is a bucket. He got them 15, but yeah. – when you look at all the other guys, and, everybody uh, pitched in, like Jalen Duren and DeAndre Williams, like those guys only had eight apiece. Real, but. real quickly, actor, we're going to have to yeah. take you off. Uh, Kelvin Sampson is just uh, okay. speaking. So um, uh, we'll get it. Cool. So. I'm mad at him right now. I can fuss at him right now. But you know what? You got a great year today and still lost because Memphis is good. Uh, and that crowd today was great. But I'm proud of my team um, for what they've accomplished uh, this season, uh, the circumstances they were in, uh, to win 26 games with, the, with all the uh, – uh, whether it's injuries or depth, whatever, uh, fatigue. I mean, they battled through a lot of stuff this year. Um, finished 15-3, and 7-2 and two on the road. Eight and one at home. Um, we're we're not holding we're not holding our heads down. We're holding our heads high, and we we'll look forward to going to the uh, conference tournament this weekend. Thank you, man. We'll go to Joseph Duarte from Houston Chronicle. Joseph, go ahead, please, sir. You know, speaking of Memphis, you you've been pretty pretty high on them in terms of what you think that that they uh, you know work, that they're deserving of. I think at one point they were nine and eight at at this season when they weren't healthy. Uh, ten and one to end the year. Then certainly, I'm sure you feel that they're uh, NCAA tournament team, and then that this league uh, gets two, possibly even three. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Memphis was they were NCAA tournament team before today. Uh, you know, I you know, I think SMU's right there too. You know, I've always been an advocate for our league, and the more we get in, uh, the better. Uh, so hopefully um, um, we can get three in, yep. uh, and I think all three teams will represent our league very well. Go to Chris Gardner, please. Chris, go ahead. Coach, would you say I'll set up. most of the turnovers? Okay. All right, we'll start with the opening statement from Coach, and then we'll take questions. We have Mike. Hang on just one second. I apologize. Everyone, if you have uh, noise in your background, please make sure to mute it, please. Please mute the background. Thank you. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, what an unbelievable game with everything riding on it. Um, can you hear me, Coach? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. What would you say what, out of the turnovers? I think it was 20. How many were unforced? an opportunity to showcase who we are to the nation. A lot of them. It's one of the top teams in the country for the second time around. Go to uh, Chris, Adam Winkler with okay. Again, everyone, if you have a you, if you have noise in your background, please please. Go ahead, Adam. We can be proud of it. Somebody's got, somebody's got their microphone on and, and uh, I can hear uh, any person. Your team. From where you guys start. Is that, is that talking to me or somebody else? I think, I, I think you're muted now. Coach, you hear me all right? Go ahead, Adam. Coach, you guys have the, you know, you said you're you're proud of them. You're obviously you're you're, you're mad at them. You're fussing at them right now. With the luxury of knowing that you're in the tournament, how are you approaching the the conference tournament these next couple of days? What's the what's the messaging? Yeah, well, yeah, no, next couple, most important thing for this team is rest. Um, you know, we just 
played four games in eight days uh, and played our tail along. Our, our kids played hard today. You know, uh, when you play in this kind of environment on a senior day against a team that's hungry, got an agenda, has something to play for, uh, you better play well. Uh, we did not. Um, but, you know, uh, our kids fall. They fall. We just couldn't make open shots and we couldn't take care of it all. Those are the two main things. Uh, we got a lot of good looks from the three-point line. Uh, first half, we missed. I think we lost seven points at the free-throw line, two one-and-ones. And, you know, we just didn't play the way you need to play when you own the road. You got to make your open shots. You got to make free throws. You got to take care of the ball. Uh, and we weren't very good in any of those three areas. So we'll just move on. Again, we're 26-5, and 15-3. Just won the league championship uh, for um, almost the fourth time in four years. So... Uh, no crying, t- no no crying in the towel over here. We just got to uh, Houston uh, later today. Um, well, we couldn't practice if we wanted to right now. I have no idea if we're going to play on the Friday. Does anybody know? I have no idea. I need to look at the bracket, but whoever we would play, I think the first game's at noon for the one seed. Um, we'll just uh, to get some rest. Whoever we're playing, we're either playing for the second or third time. We'll get ready to go for this tournament. Go to Dayon Dunlap, please. Dayon, please go ahead. Hey, Coach Samson, how much um, do you talk to your team about these quick turnarounds kind of helping for, give your good guys good experience getting into not only the conference tournament but the NCAA tournament? How much do you feel like it helps prepare you guys? Well, I don't really talk to them about it because they've never played in the tournament, so they wouldn't have any idea what I was saying. You know, team last year um, would have understood it. But, you know, uh, we beat Memphis twice last year, and our, our starting backcourt was Dejan Giroux, Quentin Grimes, um, and Marcus Sasser. Our front court was Justin Gorham and uh, Bryson Gresham. You know, none of those guys are here. This is a brand-new team. Um, and it's a brand-new team. This isn't the Houston team that they beat, that uh, they lost to last year. It's a brand-new team. Um and this team's had an unbelievable year. Um, but, you know, whether it was Maui, three three games in three days, you know, we had some depth then. We still had Marcus and Tremont then. Um, but I knew this week was going to be tough. Uh, in any coach, any team, if Memphis had four games in eight days and, and we only had two or three uh it would be the same on the other side. So, you know, for us right now, we just need to uh, get home and just get ready. You know, get some fresh legs and get ready for the uh, uh, tournament. Um, can't compare tournament play. You can't prepare them. Just say, who's, who's the next game? What's the scout report? Let's go play. Play to our culture. Play to our identity. And do the best we can. But that, uh, um, our kids fault. You know, second half, uh, you know, we had a chance to cut it to uh, 11 or 12 a couple of times. Even there at the end, Keonis makes the three. Didn't make the three. It's an 11-point game. So, um, our kids didn't quit. But um, um, proud of them for that. But uh, we don't hand out awards around here for not quitting much. 
time for one or two more. We'll go to Chris Carter, please. Chris, go ahead. Coach, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the 50-50 balls? Do you think uh, tired legs had to do with that? Memphis came up with more today. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say that. Any more questions for Coach Sampson, everyone? Are we good, everybody? We good with Coach? All right, Coach, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it, sir. We'll see you back in Houston. Everyone, as you heard Coach Sampson say, the Cougars will be off on Monday and Tuesday, so there'll be no availability. I'm expecting a 11.15 a.m. availability on Wednesday via Zoom with Coach Sampson. We'll have post-practice availability with student-athletes on Wednesday and Thursday. The Cougars will open the tournament at noon Friday against the winner of the 8-seed Cincinnati, 9-seed East Carolina game. Uh, that game will be on thir- be played on Thursday. That ga- uh, the Houston's game will be played at noon Friday, and that game will be on ESPN2. Um, I'll be sending stuff out here in the link to this uh, press conference here shortly. If you have any questions, if there's anything you need, please go ahead. Yeah, that was Coach Sampson post-game press conference. Um, I mean, I know Miles just jumped in. We got quite a few listeners in. Your thoughts on not only what Coach Sampson had to say. I mean, we could start with Justin. Anybody who, who – what are your, some of your thoughts on what Coach Sampson had to say in the post-game press conference? Yeah, I like the fact that the team though, still played hard till the end. I mean, down as much by 20, kind of hard to get back into the game. Everything's going to have to go right. But, you know, I think the team just ran out of the gas down, you know, those final minutes trying to come back. But, yeah, I think really the main thing is just rest these next, you know, few days for the team going into the American Conference Tournament. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, going into the tournament, I mean, again, having four games – in eight days on an eight-man rotation is tough. So um, I think rest and, and getting some much-needed R&R once they get back to Houston is going to be important. And then just gearing up for the winner of Cincinnati and East Carolina come Friday. Um, I definitely think that we are slated to make it to the championship game for the American Conference um, in the tournament and probably see either Memphis or SMU, but – um, you know, we we really just got to focus on tooling up and making sure that uh, they're rested and have their legs under them. Yeah, Dan, uh, what I wanted to er, – okay, my bad. I, I think you were in the cloud. I'll go first. But what really stood out to me was um, the answer you gave off your question. You asked him about, you know, if these uh, four games in eight days, the stretch is good for him to be able to speak his team on what it'll be like uh, once not only they get into the conference tournament, but obviously, of course, when they get into the NCAA tournament. And he said, you know, he, he can't talk to this team about them because of the inexperience. They they don't know what it's like to play in Marshall. They don't know what it's like to, to have to play in the NCAA tournament. He went off to talk about how last year's team, you know, they had Justin Gorham, they had Dejan Giroux, they had Quentin, uh, a completely different uh, type of team this time around and even now that they're shorthanded. I think really that's what stood out to me. Uh, I, I Like Justin said, obviously the other thing was you know, he talked about, you know, for his team right now, the key is going to be rest, and they're going to have much-needed rest. They're going to have uh, – they don't have to play until Friday at noon. And like you mentioned, at the very tail end there, they're going to play either the winner of Cincinnati or East Carolina on Friday. But uh, it, it really, they're, they're going to have this stretch where they get rest. But if they, they if they get to the championship game in the American Athletic Conference tournament again, uh, once they get into the first round in the NCAA tournament, they would have gone a stretch um, – Actually, no, on Sunday, if they get to the championship game of the American Athletic Conference Tournament, they would have gone on a stretch where they had played seven games in 15 days, which is just a brutal stretch, especially for, for the most part, 
especially in a lot of these games, they're running an eight-man rotation. So that that's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. That's that's really what stood out to me. Yeah, another thing, um, I found it very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm back on my oh, bad. There you go. Yeah, I, I found it pretty interesting when Samson said, "Hey, if Memphis was playing four games in in eight days, they'd probably be in the same position as us." Which, like, you're obviously you're you're giving Memphis a lot of credit, but then at the same time, you're you're putting more on yourself, saying that you know, hey, we're fatigued, like, and we're we have a depleted roster. It's it's gonna be uh, tough for us. So. I mean, Samson to me, he's like a realist. He's not gonna, he's not gonna sugarcoat things. But at the same time, he's gonna tell it, tell it like it is. Meaning, you know, we're, you know, we're we're not playing our best, but that's only because, you know, we're playing so many games and we don't have, a, you know, a full roster right now. So um, that's why I found that pretty interesting that he wasn't gonna give Memphis like all the credit today because he knows, I, and I feel it too that this team is is still special um, in its own right. Um, it's just that we came up, you know, short obviously today. And I believe, like he's, I, I honestly, uh, I believe he's right about that point because um, I don't want to put it out there, but assassin and Mark play. I highly disagree. The game goes like this, but um, really, uh, it really was a the credit of Memphis. Like they needed the game, they came out and really uh, took the game early. And uh, that's what they need to do to position themselves to get a good spot again to the tournament. But um, as far as like Memphis being a dangerous and a tournament team, uh, I believe that to an extent. Um, I want to see them play against SMU again because I don't think it's a fluke. I think there's a reason why SMU beat them twice, and that's because Kendrick Davis is just a really good player. And I think once Memphis plays against uh, guards that can take care of the basketball somewhat, they can have issues because their front court offense. I don't trust it too much, but they're but they're really good. Uh, yeah, Memphis is a really good team, and they'll be a tough out. It just depends on matchups and who they play. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, especially with the Marcus point because we talked about it when we first started. Marcus is just a player in a half court set. You just give him the ball and, and get out of the way, ISO, and he can create for himself. And whether it's step back threes, getting to the rim, or, or whatever. And I know it was kind of speculation because he wasn't in the boot um, their last home game that Samson came out and, and said that there's no chance that he will play. But like Andy um, kind of brought to our attention was he also said that Jamal Shea will be out weeks and he didn't miss any game. And so, I mean, who knows? Things could change. And I, for the sake of Houston, I hope Marcus comes back. More importantly, I hope he's healthy because his future, he has a promising future, whether it's in the college or in the pros, I think. But uh, um, Houston, man, I, I, I think the front court should have played better because that is where we have depth is in the front court. Reggie Chaney came off and gave good minutes. I think Fabian um, should have been more aggressive to score. I think he had a couple few turnovers, but I think in the half court set, if we could have got it to him more in which you got to put kind of more emphasis on the guards because they're bringing the ball up and initiating the offense and Oftentimes, Memphis' defense was disrupting and not allowing Houston to get into their sets. And so, but still, I mean, I still, like you said, I believe this team is special. Marcus comes back or not, I, I think we got the best coach in the country. We we will be um, tough, especially in the conference tournament. It's, it's definitely the NCAA. Yeah, Dan, about the um, uh, about the front court, I think Josh uh, definitely shows up in games, but I think he could have played a little bit bigger today. I mean, you know, foul trouble is 
is definitely a theme, especially on an eight-man rotation again. Um, but Fabian, to his credit, right, he's gone on a stretch over the past four games. I think the three preceding games, um, he av- I think he averaged like 20-something points. And I think he averaged a double-double, 20 points and like 11 rebounds or something like that. So he's playing his heart out, right? Um, he's definitely the heart of the offense. And, and most of the offense runs through him in, in that front court. But, you know, I think it's just going to be tough because now that there's a lot of film on him and they know that we're going through him and we don't have that many scoring options with Kyler kind of being a little bit streaky as of late, Tajay being streaky. Um, I, I think that, you know, they're going to key in on Fabian and try to shut that down. And so offensive production is going to have to come through Jamal and, and other, other players coming off the bench. Yeah, and to, to those points, like you mentioned, um, like a, a lot of you have mentioned in terms of you know, this U of H team, especially since uh, losing Sasser, they've had to, to kind of become more of a front court center team. And I think something that you saw in this game with Memphis is that any time they would try to get it down low to Josh Carlton or to Fabian White, they were quick into trapping them in the post, to make double team and forcing them to have to pass out. And like uh, like Miles just brought up, it, it really hurts when you have you know Kyler Edwards being streaky, Tajay Moore. Um, he, he had a couple of good shots, but for the most part, he's a streaky shooter as well. And then you, you get hurt even more when Jamal Shedd is in foul trouble. Uh, it, it, that's really when this team that's already, for the most part, offensively um, kind of struggling from the most part, they, they become much more shorthanded and, and it makes them much more one-dimensional, much easier to guard. I think that's going to be the biggest uh, – that's the biggest cause for concern for this team going forward, not only in the conference tournament, but in the, in the NCAA tournament, especially like Dayon said, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it depends on matchups just in terms of – you know, who who they match up. But you mentioned it in the games that they've lost, uh, there's been a couple of key kind of uh, reoccurring uh, reoccurring things that have happened in the games. And, you know, when you go to Wisconsin, when you go to Alabama, even in this game, Memphis was, was on fire in the first half. All those teams that were on pace to score 80-plus points, I think in three out of the five losses that they, they, they did lose, the, the opposing team scored 80-plus points. So whenever they, they kind of get out of their identity, don't defend well, Memphis did a real good job of keeping Houston off the glass. That's really when you see that this Houston team's going to really struggle just because they don't have that capability to be able to keep up with them on offense. Yeah, and I think um, to add to the point with, with Kyler, I think everyone, most of us are mentioning Kyler Edwards, and it's becoming a little concerning because I think over the last, I have his stats pulled up, but over the last 11 games, he's just shooting um, – under 25% from three. So that's like a long stretch. So it's not, I would say it's not like, it's turning into like not so much a streaky thing. I think it's also a lot of it's the fact that he's playing, I think he's playing the most minutes right now on the team. Over the la- over those 11, this 11 game stretch, he is uh, playing 36 minutes a game, which is to me in a college basketball game, that's crazy because of the pace and all that, you know, all the defense and the hustle. Um, and I, it just it kind of sucks. I mean, I know he has he has to play those minutes, but I felt like you know if Sampson could figure out a way to get him more rest, that would help him a lot. Because you could tell when he's in, in his shooting motion, he's not able to get his legs at all under uh, under his shot. So it's always a lot yeah. of his shots are always coming up. Yeah, they were flat. It's like flat. Majority of them are short. And um and I that's that's why I don't even really blame Kyler the the way he's playing because he's getting good looks he's getting great shots but at the same time he's playing amazing defense and he's distributing the ball well 
He's not turning over the ball. He's rebounding. So, like, I still like the way he's playing overall. It's just I wish he could, you know, s- somewhat step up, uh, you know, from shooting the basketball from that standpoint. But it's just it's kind of hard when you're playing almost the entire game. And that and for that long, 11 games in a row where he's playing 36 minutes a game, that's – I mean, that's kind of tough for me. And I agree with your point, Aki, because, like, most of college shots are short, and we all know yep. what that means, so. Yeah, it, you know, he's not the Batman. He's not He's not the answer, right? And I think that he's being forced into a position where he has to take more of a ball-handling, um, scorer-type role, and I feel like he should assist in more of, like, a the proverbial Robin capacity, right? Like, I think he's definitely a, a secondary or complementary player, I think he's he's a standalone standout player on in his own right, but I think he serves better in complement with another more primary ball handling and scoring option. Um, because I do think with his streaky shooting, yes, he is he is not a liability on defense. He he is he is definitely standing up uh, to the competition there. But I just feel like when you try to go to him and scoring, and then he comes up from deep empty a lot long shots long rebounds usually hard to get on the offensive glass which is easy to keep us up off the boards so you know i think that that just goes against our you know our game plan or houston's game plan a lot of the time so yeah it's a lot of good points and really starting with the defense because often i just call it he's guarding the opponent's best player so not only does he have to exude a lot of um energy on defense and then on the offensive end, when Jamal is in the game or he's out of the game, he has to handle the ball and initiate the offense. And so, I mean, to his credit, he does have a large role and a lot to do in which – and all of his shots that he missed today, they were all short in which that all points to fatigue. But you look on early in the season, even when we had our full roster, when he was just in like the secondary role, like what Miles was talking about, he was not making – he was shooting around 25%. And then he went through that stretch early in conference when he was hot. And so if he's hot, then he's a totally different player. But I will give him credit. Whether he's shot us falling or not, he still affects the game in so many ways, especially in the pick-and-roll action. He's probably – he's right there with Jamal as far as his ability to create on the pick-and-roll and, and make the right play. And so I, I still love what he brings to this team. I definitely agree with Keith Cole Sampson. I mean, we have a depleted bench, but if he could find a way just to get him a a rest, I think it would only make him even more deadly. But then another thing, I got to put Jamal. This is probably not his best game that I've seen him play. He has to to play better, especially in the NCAA tournament. But he's, he's one of the few players that can just break down the defense and get inside and create for others. And we know in a pick and roll action, he's a pick and roll maestro, kind of like CP3. I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive to score, whether it's his get to his mid-range game, get get to um, inside with his floaters. And I think that's only going to open up for, for more people because I think Kyler, in those moments where we have those dry spells, him being um, the dog he is, he kind of feels like, okay, I need to make a play, I need to make a play, instead of kind of allowing him to come to him. And so it is a lot of responsibility on Kyler. He, he definitely steps up, but – Man, I think Jamal, uh, just from a quarterback, point guard to me when I watch them, they're like quarterbacks. You, you have the ball in your hand most of the time, and oftentimes it's just turnovers that we can't have him making. He, he's, he, he, he's the keys, in my opinion, to us making a long run. 
Yeah, Jamal is the ball general going into the postseason. And this is really where we're going to miss Jamal Marcus at really that primary ball yeah, handler since Jamal yeah. is, yeah, since Jamal is going to be that guy. I mean, he's our only true point guard we have on the roster right now until Jamal Mark comes back this season. So, yeah, he's, he's really going to have to step up come the tournament and uh, going into the NCAA tournament. Well, to Tremont Mark comes back next season. Uh, and then, Dayon, another point that you mentioned in terms of Marcus Sasser, I, that if I'd had to put a percentage, I'd say it, it's probably 99% that he's not coming back, especially after uh, what Kelvin said. I, it'd be really, really tough to, to have him come back in the American Athletic Conference tournament and just play tournament games. But like you said, uh, and never say never, but I, I think that, that ship is pretty close to sailing. I, I want to jump a little bit more into the, the American Athletic Conference tournaments and looking ahead, like uh, we mentioned at the very end, or they mentioned, I think it was Jeff Conrad, they mentioned it towards the end of, of the doom. Houston's going to end up playing the winner of Cincinnati, East Carolina in the, in the second round of the American Athletic Conference tournament on Friday. Um, it, when you look at the season matchups, uh, Houston only played East Carolina once, and they complete that. That was a <laughs> that was a real lopsided game where they held East Carolina to 36 points. Houston scored 79 in the two meetings against Cincinnati. Houston ended up winning by double digits handedly as well as I mean they literally just met them earlier this week to clinch the American Athletic Conference. Uh, regular season title, but you you think about it. I love talking on Cincinnati first, since that's the most recent one. You know what they always say: it's difficult to beat a team three times in a season, especially at a neutral site. But it, it, the one thing that Houston has going for it, we mentioned it earlier. It seems like Fabian White. It's a good matchup for Fabian White when they, they had to play Cincinnati. He had two. He had his career game this past Tuesday against the Bearcats, and then earlier in the season he had at what was then his season high at that point. So. It seems like Fabian White likes playing Cincinnati, but what can you guys see from this matchup specifically? Like you mentioned, it'll be the third time it, it would be if Cincinnati were to beat East Carolina, it would be the second meeting in about a span of a week. What what, what can you see? Obviously, they have their guards that they can create uh, a couple of problems for teams in the past. Uh, Dayon, I'll let you go first. Obviously, uh, you'd imagine Mike Saunders is the the focal point when it comes to Cincinnati. Yeah, the, that's definitely our, our focal point. But our perimeter defense is our strength. And to your point with Fabe, when we play against smaller teams, whether it's Josh or Fabe, and the the focal point is to get the ball inside, I will say they dominate. They do dominate against smaller teams. And so I really like that matchup against Cincinnati, really from a foreign court's perspective, because Fabe not only can dominate inside, his ability to stretch the defense and him just being aggressive to score offensively just opens up the court. And him and Josh really play well off of each other, especially in the two matchups against Cincinnati. So I think when we play against smaller teams, they really, really focus on throwing the ball inside, putting an emphasis on it, and the big guys really do show up. For sure, and I think that that really you know, came home. I'm going back to last week when they played SMU, where uh, once again Fabian White and Josh Carlton just had the paint unlocked. They were not only were they getting crashing boards, they're getting second chance opportunities, but SMU really kind of turned into a lot more of a jump shooting team, and really they couldn't get anything done in the paint. And that that was really a complete opposite of what we saw in today's game, where Houston controlled that entire game from the get go. They controlled the tempo, and like you said, uh, Dayon, that's what they want, especially with. With more often than not, they're running out eight-man rotations. They want to slow the game down. They want to play through their post players. And when it comes to playing smaller teams, they've been able to do that. Now, uh, with Cincinnati, is there there's something, and this is a, a question for the panel, is there something that, you know, whether it be Saunders or one of the other guards or anything in particular that might cause you uh, something to keep an eye on if they do match up with Cincinnati in, in that first game on Friday? 
Cincinnati ability to, to play in transition. Their point guard is probably one of the fastest point guards that I've seen with the ball in his hands. And then Dennis and their ability to, to shoot the basketball. They got guards that can really, really score and play fast. And I think what Memphis and other teams have shown, especially when we're now being depleted as far as injuries goes, if you you try to speed Houston up, play faster, to make them run as much as you can, not only does it help Tyron run out, then with it with the referees are calling it tight as they did is today, that goes against Houston because they don't have the depth. And so Cincinnati definitely is tough. And me and Miles was talking about this online. I, we couldn't recall the last time a, a team beat Houston, swept them in a regular season. And I think it was Cincinnati with Cumberland when they had Cumberland. So Cincinnati is a, a really, really good program. And I think they're going to be definitely licking their chops to play, play us again if they get past East Carolina. Akib, Justin, do you guys have any comments? Uh, on uh, Cincinnati specifically? Yeah, Cincinnati or East Carolina, either or. Yeah, yeah I mean, they got, um, was it, I think it's David DeJulius. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he can hoop. Like, I like, I like his game a lot. It's just, I feel like they're not, that team in itself, they're not big enough to match up with uh, Houston's size. So, we've seen this, like, all, you know, all season. Whenever a team's not, you know, they don't have bigs that can, you know, defend Fabian because Fabian he hey, he makes guys look little in the whenever he posts up and he gets that baby hook, shot like no one can stop him. Even today he had a couple of good looks um, against Memphis, but Memphis just was just way too athletic and they're um, getting boards like very aggressively. But yeah, I don't Cincinnati to me is not going to be a a big problem just because we have you know guards like Kyler Edwards and Jamal Shedd who I think they're one those two guys are one of the best defenders in college basketball in terms of like perimeter so you know having those guys like I don't I don't really fear any of the teams that have you know great perimeter guys like it's just the teams that have bigs that can pass out of double teams or that could spread the spread the floor those are the teams I'm like more concerned with but against Cincinnati you know they're a good team they just haven't been they didn't play their best basketball, obviously, uh, throughout the conference. But you know, they still have they still have some guys like uh, Jeremiah Davenport. He's also another guy I could think of that's you know pretty good. I could shoot the ball really well. Uh, to Keeb's point, um, I think that the guard play for Cincinnati is what's going to come in handy. So I think for us or for Houston, it's it's important to get Josh going to get Fabian into a rhythm. And then also coming off the bench to make sure that Reggie and Jawan are both getting valuable minutes and able to contribute off the bench. Um, but I think that Cincinnati's, if if they whether they match up against East Carolina or match up against us on Friday, um, they're going to be scoring a lot in transition and trying to run us. I think now fatigue is our number one opponent. I think uh, moving forward. Um, so teams are going to come out and try to take Memphis game plan and, and try to run us early and get our, get our legs out from under us, get us winded, get us tired, um, wear down uh, our players to make sure that we're exposed on defense and in transition to, to score some of those points early on and try to get out to a lead. So uh, I think that it would be important for Cincinnati, if, if they do want to try and focus on a weakness, uh, that's probably what their game plan is going to be. But ultimately, I think that Fabian is going to show up. I think Josh is going to play big. And I think uh, Jamal is going to have one of those games where he has double-digit assists 
uh, you know, dishing out to the front court bigs. Um, Cause uh, like Akeem said earlier, Fabian just makes people look little down there. Um, his footwork has, has improved. Also being able to stretch the floor with being able to hit now uh, deep mid range or, or, you know, three point shots. Now I think that, uh, you know, they're dangerous teams and, and Cincinnati is a really good team that just hasn't played its best basketball at spots when they should have to, to help improve their resume. Um, but I definitely think that, that, you know, whether it's East Carolina or Cincinnati, Houston should be able to, to get the dub. Which team do y'all think matches up better against Houston? Is it Memphis or SMU? Just kind of foreseeing it, like expect, expecting Houston to get to the championship game. We're going to speak it into existence. Who who matches up better? Is it would you rather see Memphis play? I mean Houston play SMU or Memphis? I would. Me, say you. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say as a competitor, I want to see that Memphis rematch. I think they match up better against SMU, but I would rather them play Memphis. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, ultimately, you know, we can't lose to a team twice in a season and then not get the opportunity to play them again, right? I think that that's what it's slated for. That's what it's building up to. It's kind of a rematch of, of last season's, um, I think, was it the regular se- I think it was, yeah, it was regular season uh, uh, ending game where, you know, uh, Ramon Mark hit that buzzer beater from over half court to send Memphis home. Um, I personally want to see Memphis, but I do think that they match up a lot better against, because just again, they might not have the experience, um, the experience of coaching and or players that Houston has, but athletically they are all gifted on that team. And um, I definitely think that they can run with us. They can tire us out. And today, I mean, they proved it over the last two times that we met them this season um, that they do have our number, but I think that that will be a very emotionally charged game if it does come up. Um, but I, I think Kendrick Davis is the player of the year in the American. I think that that's the overall consensus at the moment. Um, so he is a tremendous guard that can create his own shot, create opportunities for other people. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick between who I would like to see uh, as a fan, it would be Memphis and, and Houston play for a third time. Um, but as a as pulling for the Cougars, I, I would much rather see the SMU uh SMU card get pulled. I think SMU wins that game against Memphis, to be honest. How come? It's just because even, yes, with Memphis, it's left. They could uh, bother uh, SMU a bit, but uh, what really told the tale to me was that second game because more times than not, that first game was like, okay, Memphis didn't have their players. I give you that. SMU uh, went on the road earlier in the season. I give you that. But then I watched that SMU-Memphis game close in SMU. And, like, the first in, in, in like the first half, it was back and forth. But then again, it was like that Houston – remember when Houston played SMU and both of the teams just kept scoring back and forth? It, it was like mm-hmm. that type of game where Kendrick Davis was, was just able to do whatever he wanted to do. And once that he is able to do whatever he wants to do, like the team – Feeds off that. Then the game is in for worth. It's not really a home game, but I, I anticipate most of their fans would be there. So, that, you know, that's just my take on it. Yeah, let me piggyback off that. And I, I agree with that. I, I like SMU over Memphis. 
And really why we're seeing it, because if we had Marcus, because Marcus is going to do a lot of things that Kendrick can do as far as creating off the dribble for himself and scoring. And Memphis doesn't have a dynamic guard. They can just get busy and beat you. They can overwhelm you with their athletic ability and their physicality up front. But like you say, if you got a guard that can not only take care of the basketball and can score and can facilitate like they got Kendrick Davis, I think SMU could beat Memphis. And I expect them probably to beat them Memphis. I, I agree with that. Justin Akib, uh, Justin, you haven't spoken in a while. Which which matchup would you prefer uh, in terms of seeing potential championship game? And, and before, actually, before Justin, you you answer there, I, I kind of want to set the the picture in terms of what the AAC tournament will look like. Like we know, obviously, Houston's going to be the number one seed. They're going to play East Carolina or Cincinnati in that noon game on Friday. They would play the winner of the number four seed and the number five seed. Which, as of right now, uh, there could be a couple of teams potentially that would end up being in that spot. Um, this it looks like it could possibly be three, whether it be Temple, Tulane, or UCF. There, they're kind of within a, a game, uh, separated from each other when it comes to the conference standings. And I'd imagine that one of those teams is going to end up uh, being either the four or five seed. So if Houston advances, if they beat winner of Cincinnati. And East Carolina, they would in all likelihood have to play either Temple, UCF, or Tulane in the second round before uh, they have to go into the championship game. So they would have to play one of those teams in the semifinals. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, you have SMU and Memphis. They're you're going to be they're going to end up in the number two and the number three seed, regardless of who, who's the two or three seed. So they're going to be playing each other in that conference in that side of the bracket. Um, so, Justin, I'll, I'll toss it over to you in terms of that SMU-Memphis type of uh, matchup, which you would prefer to see. Yeah, I would definitely rather see <clears throat> SMU just on the fact of the last game. They're going to have problems with the SMU's athleticism, but just how they did in their last game at home with U of H able to handle business on the boards and they're just able to outmatch SMU. I mean, on the rebounds, SMU just, you know, too small. And I'll definitely prefer it over Memphis because, you know, Memphis just has those athletic bigs. I mean, and those guards, I can just, you know, overwhelm you on defense. Like what we saw today, I mean, they completely took out Fabian and Josh Carlton. And, and I wanted to get back to one point. I believe it was Miles that brought it up where, um, you know, they always – this is the catchphrase you always hear in the NFL and like NBA where it's a copycat league. And you saw this after SMU, after Houston lost to SMU where – uh, the Mustangs did a good job of kind of, especially in that second half in Dallas, where they, they started pressuring them a little bit, kind of getting Houston out of rhythm on offense. And then Memphis just found a way to completely do it. Obviously, they have much better personnel to do just because of how lengthy and how athletic really top to bottom their entire roster is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of these teams starting to do that again. We saw that after the SMU-Memphis games where it seemed like every team was tra- – having some type of iteration of a, of, of a full-court pressure on Houston. Uh, to be honest, I don't think that any of those teams that we've mentioned, whether it be uh, East Carolina, Cincinnati, UCF, Temple, or Tulane necessarily have uh, the personnel to be able to, to be as effective as Memphis was. But I think that when you look at that group, I think Tulane's probably the team that, that's the biggest obstacle from Houston reaching the championship game, uh, at least on paper. And, and I'll toss it over to Chris Gardner, who's joining us as speaker. Uh, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. You were just post-game listening um, 
Calvin Sampson's comments. I, I just wanted to get your takes overall post game after Houston Memphis uh, game. They really Memphis dominated from the start. First, this is cool, guys. Thank you for inviting me to participate in this Twitter space. I got to throw a rock at uh, one of the Memphis guys, Memphis media guys, who left his mic on while we're listening to Coach Sampson and Penny talk at the same time. Oh yeah, <laughs> we 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 were able to hear it. That was that was uh, that was interesting. That that was horrible. Um, I won't say his name, but I know who you are. Um, Memphis is a bad matchup for Houston. <laughs> They're more athletic. I mean, we we know that. Coach Sampson hinted at it um, in previous press conferences. They are a difficult matchup. He said in after the first loss, we don't have a Jalen Duran. <laughs> well, yeah. And they have a few other athletes that Houston doesn't match up with. So that is a concern. Uh, Memphis does not match up well with SMU. It's all about matchups. Kendrick Davis is the best point guard in this conference. Jamal Shedd is not that right now. He might become that, but he's not that right now. And Kendrick Davis can take Tyler Harris wherever he wants to go. Same with Alex Lomax, you know. So that's, that's key. This is about, about matchups. Houston versus Cincinnati or East Carolina, ECU might be Cincinnati. The way the Bearcats have been shooting lately, who knows how they're going to respond in their first matchup. They may continue throwing up bricks and lose to ECU. And then it'll be a different matchup the Cougs have to deal with on Friday afternoon. But that's a game that U of H, either way, whoever they face Friday should win and then go on to the next. Y'all are much younger than me. I'm just looking at the, looking at the next game. I'm not going past looking at the semifinals and potential championship matchup Friday. That's what I'm looking at. Friday. Houston plays whoever on Friday. And deal with, deal with that Saturday after Friday. One thing at a time. And uh, Chris, on that point, in terms of matchups, what what would you say is the biggest thing that, that Memphis has over Houston um, in terms of, obviously, you mentioned Jalen Duran. I think it was Kelvin Sampson uh, after the first meeting said, you know, they have a couple of five-star recruits. We don't have that. Uh, would you say that's the biggest thing that, that gives Memphis the edge, or is it something else that, that you've seen in these two games? That's part of it. The athleticism is part of it. But also, a lot of the Memphis players, they remember losing to Houston last year. This year's Memphis team, these guys, they aim and shoot for Houston. They want to beat Houston much more than these Houston players want to beat Memphis. So that's, I think, a big factor in this. You know, and kudos to Penny may have hyped him up and all those kind of things, eh, whatever. It was more important to them to win today because they wanted to seal their um, bid for the tournament, the NCAA tournament. They did that. So they were hyped up from the jump. And U.S. Didn't, didn't match it. So that's also part of it. Now, uh, real quickly, before for the remaining other listeners, we'd like to, if you guys would like to speak, this is your chance. Feel free to request. Uh, we'll get you on the line. Uh, Dayon, Justin, Akib, uh, really, as we wrap things up, uh, you know, like Chris said, for, for Memphis, this is something that you've been able to see um, in both of these matchups where I, it was before, it was after postgame in the first meeting when they played here in Fertitta Center where, where Penny Hardaway said after after the game that I believe they had a, Memphis had a game uh, against Tulane before they played Houston at Fertitta Center. And Penny Hardaway kind of told reporters that 
obviously they were trying to stay focused and and zone in on Tulane, but the Memphis team they were they were gearing up for Houston. That was a big game. Like Chris said, they they had it circled. Um, turnaround today against Houston this time in Memphis, and it, it, you can just see it. It seems like they're they're. Um, I believe Jim Nance put it best, and I, I I remember the quote that he said in the middle of the game. He said the Tigers were just in another gear here today. And that, that's been true for both of these games where it just seems like Memphis is playing at a higher speed. And I'd be curious to see if they do play for a third time, how that would match up. But like Chris said, you can't get too far ahead. So Dayon, active Justin, I'll, I'll kind of toss it around. Any any final thoughts as we wait, see if anybody else wants to chime in and, and put their input on Houston-Memphis and, and looking ahead at the conference tournament? I mean, I second everything Chris said. I would agree with him wholeheartedly. Um, I think for Houston, I think they just – turnovers really – although Memphis did come out and exude a lot of energy and they made shots, if Houston doesn't turn the ball over at the rate that they did, especially those live ball turnovers, which allow um, Memphis to get those points in transition and not have to execute, I think if Houston just take care of the basketball even more, I think it's a different ball game. But Houston, I mean, I, I, again, I like this team one game at a time, like like Chris is saying. And whoever they match up with, whether it's East Carolina or Cincinnati, coming off a loss, I expect them to refocus. You got the best coach in the country, in my opinion. And I expect them to lock down and come out and play culture basketball like we've been seeing all season. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with everything that was said um, just now. Um, one thing that interests me a lot uh, was – this is what Samson said. Maybe I want to say midway through the season, we we were going on a bit of a run, five, six game win streak. Uh, Kelvin Sampson said, every game that we play from here on out, we're gonna have a target on our backs. So that was, you know, that that interested me a lot. Just and you could see that uh, throughout the season, all these teams, they're trying to make these games close. Obviously, outside of like ECU and uh, South Florida, a lot of the games that we played. Uh, even in the American Conference w- were close games and they weren't all just blowouts. So you could see that. And then Memphis definitely played their best, probably their best two games, in my opinion, of the season. Uh, and both of them were against Houston. So it's going to be tough um, for us in the tournament. And I think and another thing that helped Memphis, you know, kind of put give put them on edge and try to play, you know, a lot better was the fact that I think this game was important for them to, uh, like Chris said, like lock up a NCAA bid, and I think they did that. You know, provided that they don't flame out uh, out of the conference, the AAC conference tournament. Um, like I don't, I don't expect them to, just because the way they've been playing um, over the last you know ten or so games. Um, but I think that this game for sure, you know, locked them a NCAA bid, and I think SMU is close. SMU probably would have to beat us. Or, or or beat Memphis. They'd have to gut through Memphis first if they wanted to, you know, play us obviously in the tournament. But they they too also, you know, could be another you know third team. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think and and Chris, uh, before before we toss it over to Justin, Chris, this is kind of good a good question for you. Um, do you feel like SMU has to at least get to the championship game? Uh, to be uh, to make it into the NCAA tournament, or or what? What do you think is the path for them to get in? Probably, I mean, it's two three. They probably need need to be Memphis a third time, but hate to have to come down to that if you're SMU. But probably so, they'd have to get to the championship game because their non conference schedule just wasn't good enough. 
going to have enough quality wins. So it would be on them to do that. I'm kind of curious what y'all think about how many people, fans around the conference, will make the trip to Fort Worth. That's a good question. That's a great question. Uh, Oh, damn, go ahead. So we have nah. a couple of uh, UH um, fans here. It's going to be the weekend. It starts spring break for students. I'd be I'd be curious to see what the turnout is. It, it's been a while since, since we've been able to have a full house. So. Damn, I mean, ahead. it's right down the street from SMU. It's in full work. So I, I expect the SMU fan base to really, really pack it out, especially if they advance deep in a tournament. Houston fans have been traveling, so I, I expect Houston fans to travel. But that, that's a great question. What what other um, schools fans are going to travel? Because, like everyone's saying, like we've have got taken the best shot from every school. Like you think about Tulane. When we went to Tulane. That was the biggest crowd that they've had. I can't remember the year, but they haven't had a crowd that big in a while. And so uh, their home court advantage or neutral or neutral site will, I think, will have an effect. And just a better team probably will come out on top. And also, Houston got to watch out those fouls. We've been talking a lot about turnovers and things like that. Houston can't foul as much as they did because they get in foul trouble and they have to go to that bench. It's just not as good. Uh, in, in regards to traveling, I would like to say, you know, Fort Worth is the heart of Big 12 country. And with the American having yeah. three future members joining the Big 12, I think that, you know, other – other people in the area, whether they went to, you know, Tech, Baylor, TCU, um, you know, UT, OU, that's a that's a hub for a lot of people who have, you know, went to Big 12 schools or current Big 12 member schools and uh, possibly want to take a take a look at, you know, what the future of the Big 12 looks like. Right. So I think that there will be a good turnout specifically with, again, SMU being right there in the mix, Houston uh, being right down I-45, I think that that would be um, – I think the turnout will be will be fantastic, probably one of the best in, in you know, the tournament history possibly. So um, especially with, like, the current virtual working environment and being able to work from anywhere, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't see why uh, the turnout wouldn't be great. Miles, you make a, a great point. My only counter to that is I wonder because of – the heart of Big 12 country, how much the American has marketed the tournament in Big 12 country. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That is a great point. And I, I remember uh, last season when Houston and Texas Tech played at that same arena in Dickies and Fort Worth. And, it, and this was a COVID capacity. I think they were at 25% capacity, but it was clear that it was basically a home game for Texas Tech when Houston played up there. Yeah, like an 80-20 split, it sounded like probably 90 yeah, and that was at twenty five percent capacity. So it was, it was absurd. But um, and and guys, and guys, to that point, did you see any mention any flyers about comeback joint to Dickens Arena in March for the AAC tournament? Nope. No. See, that's my that's one of and Andy knows that's one of my biggest gripes <laughs> about the American is they do a crappy job marketing themselves. Oh no, I definitely I agree with that, Chris. Um, <laughs> they do, and I like, and I don't even some of my you know growing going growing up and going going to college at UH. Um, a lot of my friends that you know went to Big Twelve schools, 
they didn't know anything about the American Conference. Like, they didn't even know the American Athletic Conference existed. So it just – obviously, it's not a, a Power 5 conference. But at the same time, like, you have great schools that are in the uh, American Athletic Conference, right? especially right now. Obviously, before this whole changeover is going to happen. But you have, like, SMU, Memphis. Those are amazing schools for – and Cincinnati for football and basketball. And then Wichita State, obviously – for basketball and Houston for football and basketball. So it's like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I mean, I'm kind of almost thankful in a way that we are finally going to the big 12. Hopefully, you know, I think it should be after next season, I believe. Right. Chris. That's what they're aiming. That's for. the plan. Yep. That's the plan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. 30 million holding it up. So, yeah. So if anybody want to donate. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, uh, Michael Rusty, you know, his, his initial uh, his initial request, $45 million each for Cincinnati, UCF, and U of H, um, according to the Houston Chronicle. But, you know, Chris, you know, that doesn't stop the Americans from using the hashtag Power Six Conference. Uh, but uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, well, yeah, I just wanted to say I think it was a missed opportunity in October to, for the conference to have media day in Fort Worth in person and start promoting the tournament. Because that's, that's, what, that's what the big, big conferences do. That's where they usually have the site of their media day will be the site of the city having the basketball championship later on. Didn't do it. So hopefully that's one more year in the American. So maybe this October, the American will have media day in person in Fort Worth and then begin promoting the championship for, ironically, the last season for Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. So, so, Chris, to your point, I had a second to kind of chew on and think about it. I think that was – it's a little bit of the American cutting off its nose to spite its face. Um, I think that promoting the tournament would promote the teams that are towards the top, which, I mean, Houston being the the darling of the American Conference as far as basketball is concerned and, um, you know, leaving – the marquee thing about Houston right now is that they're leaving – the American to join a power five conference. So I think that that, you know, several games that have been covered throughout the season, that has been the theme, um, you know, acknowledging Houston's intention to move out of, out of the American. Um, and I think that that just exposes uh, as far as like media, rather than, you know, grasping what they have left of the remaining teams that are in it currently um, and using that to propel it to the future. I think that they're, they're doing themselves a disservice. So it's, it's unfortunate to see it, but, um, you know, definitely hope that, that the turnout is good because I, I think these, all of these players, regardless of schools deserve, you know, a decent turnout, uh, at the tournament. That's a, that's a great point, Miles. And you could be right. The conference could just be petty <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to promotion. I think Memphis fans will turn out in Fort Worth. Oh, for so sure. they'll help SMU. I'm kind of curious. I know it's close. But, I'm, you know, I think the Mustangs get the championship game. They'll make that drive because SMU fans, they're fair weather fans too. So, Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Yep, I agree. Just like Houston fans, Houston, if Houston isn't winning, Houston fans don't show up. So I got to put Houston fans in that same boat. But we are winning, so 
Oh, uh, now we're going to get into a whole other argument because the football team was winning and, and uh, turnout nope. was... Right, right. But this is the first year. And it was so, terrible. Uh, true. If it's consistency winning, and then the fans will show up. That, I agree with that. That that point, I agree with but, that. But even even UH alums, and too many times, and I'm older than probably all of y'all, it's like <laughs> tradition. They UH alums... For football specifically, or even basketball now, too many times come to the game to see the opponent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather, rather than see Houston play, even though they graduated from Houston. That's been That's a problem for years. Facts. Big facts right there. I for think example, back to the biggest game that I've seen, and that was when Lamar Jackson came against Louisville. So that's 100% big facts, Chris. Day on the game where we where we uh, had like ten sacks on him and whooped him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. For example, fans taking a picture with uh, Penny after the game, which you know I don't mind, but uh, I guess. <laughs> hey man, hey, if I had an opportunity to take a pic with Penny Hardaway, because that he was one of my favorite players growing up. Like, just obviously anyone that's a hoops fan like knows how good he was. So I wouldn't mind. Oh yeah, he taking, was great. Taking a picture with him, I wouldn't mind, but. <laughs> Yeah, but I maybe I could see how that some pe- maybe people on the UH basketball team wouldn't you know feel so kindly about that. It rubbed them the wrong way. And just wait till they get to the Big Twelve when you have Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas Christian. They have to travel. I mean, heck, uh, Chris, we talked about it in the last post talking sports. If potentially they get into the conference while UT and OU are still there, imagine they have to play UT. And we got to when we play Texas Tech because I already seen some stuff like Tech is already playing that when Tech play. UH and uh, basketball, they're already playing to come down the pack for Tita out, so. Yeah, and that has to change. You know, I'm an alum. We've got to do a better job supporting our school, supporting our teams. For sure. I think Houston, I, you know, as a graduate and somebody who, I mean, I was part of the spirit of Houston. Like, I have a lot of school pride, and um, it's sad to see, you know, UH be one of the three largest universities in the state of texas and be considered a commuter school and you know um you know an uh, upgraded hcc or whatever you hear out there about about u of h uh because we have the facilities the commitment uh from our administrators from renew uh you know tillman fertita all, all the way down i think the commitment to our athletic programs and just really the institution is there and the last piece that we're missing that all these other schools have all these other blue bloods like ut a&m texas tech you know now baylor i mean they have the alumni and fan engagement and support and i think that that's really what we need to do as alums i'm now a season ticket holder uh for uh basketball and football so you know i'm trying to do my part but at the same time you know i understand where we're coming from again UH Athletics has been jaded for so long, left out of the conversation for so long, and, and been the proverbial little brother. Um, so hopefully, as we move on to greener pastures, it, it you know we see that uptick. And and one thing, like uh, so, do you know what the uh, disconnect is, Miles? What's that? And since you're a student, I know you're like this. Um, uh, if you have any time, uh, y'all know where to find Rena Couture. Um. She posted a picture about the new uh, building that was posted up. And what I want y'all to do is I want y'all to read some of the uh, quoted tweets from uh, students. I think what the issue is is that 
when you see every new building going up and you see Agnes Arnold Hall, look how it is. You see the auditorium, look how it is. You see other educational buildings look like it is. It feel like it's this, this, some of the students feel like neglected, to be honest. Oh, and no. I feel like that, that has to be said. It's, 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 and it's a fact. Some of those buildings were crappy when I went to school. That's 30 years ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the renovations haven't been done in the buildings since then, and they still haven't. So, yeah, I'm sure some people are upset about that. President Couture, she's focusing on football because that's where the, the money is. Um, you know, that's true to a point. But the fans still don't come to the football games to see the football team. Right. And scheduling these cream puffs who are coming in non-conference for football is not going to help bring in to get those fans because, like I said, people want to see the opponent. They don't want to see Kansas play. They don't want to see Rice play. So if they don't want to come see us play and they don't want to come see Rice play or Kansas, then we get what we get in football. Sparse crowds. Yeah, I think uh, – and then going to the Big, big 12 uh, – sorry to cut you off, Andy – um, yeah, but going to Big 12 like is going to help us a lot just because, you know, you're going to see teams like Baylor and so and so on and so forth, teams like that, who we, TCU, we get to play them. Um, that's going to help us a lot. And I think once we play but, those but teams – But Aki, who is it going to help? Is it going to help us? It's going to help our bottom line. I, because I, I'll, gonna I'll, get... Get, I'll get to that. I'll get to that point. Okay. Yeah, so I think at first it's not going to be in our favor, but then when, you know, those fans that are supposed to be our fans – when they see us, hey, we're kicking the crap out of these teams in basketball specifically. I think, I think because UH is gonna be just as good. Maybe they might be a. I could see them even being like a top three team in in the Big Twelve in basketball if we continue like our recruiting and and the culture that we currently have. So, you know, fans are gonna see how good we play against these big big name teams, big school teams, um, and I think they're gonna come back over to our side. But hopefully, they don't stay like a fa- as a fair weather fan and. Um, which is crazy to me. It doesn't make sense because, like, Houston has a rich history and culture. You know, you got five slime drama. And then you recently, when you had, you know, some of the Tom Herman years, you had a really good football program, and we're just kind of rebuilding on that. So it doesn't really – it kind of sucks that we have Fairweather fans, you know, in that regards. But I think hopefully I could see it changing, you know, going into the Big 12. And kind of piggyback off of that, and it kind of goes into Chris's point – fans will come out, specifically basketball, to see Kansas. They will come out specifically in basketball to see the likes of um, Texas. Now, football, you got a point, Chris. They're not coming out to see no Kansas. They're not coming out to see Kansas State. But I think Texas, Texas Tech, I mean, it's a lot of good points that everybody's making right now. To, to play devil's advocate about scheduling really quickly, I think uh, – I'm thinking on, on the flip side, right? I don't think schools want to put us on their schedule because arguably Houston is the most dangerous mid-major team um, that you could schedule in football and or basketball. I think it, our programs have been up to – I think what Dana Holgerson has going on for football uh, right now, especially going into this next season, I think that they're – um, on an uptick, and then what Kelvin Sampson has done since, you know, 2015 has just been nothing short of incredible. So I think that, you know, some of the schools like, you know, especially in-state when we're 
and with Houston being such a fertile recruiting ground for in-state, you know, UT or a Baylor or, you know, even a Texas Tech sometimes putting us on their on their schedule is not in their best interest. Um, just because, you know, if I'm a recruit and I'm being scouted by all these same schools, why and I'm and I live in Houston, um, why would I decide to go somewhere else when I can play these same schools, be on the same stage as them and play for my city? I'll let you have the final word. Yeah, I I think that's partly true, Miles, but at the same time, I think not so much because Houston wants to continue winning and just keep it blunt, playing the likes of those teams, specifically in football right now, I don't know if – I don't think – I'm not even going to say I don't know. I don't think that they would compete, at least be able to win. And so I think part of it's true. Some teams, like like on the edge of trying to – be good and, and remain in relevance is a threat. And Houston remains like that mid-major threat. But some of that, I think, as well is, okay, we need to continue our winning ways since this past season that we scheduled the likes of the rights of the Kansas of the world in which we'll be favored. Mm, mm. And we'll, we'll leave it on that note. Uh, by the way, Miles, if, if anyone in the UH administration heard you say mid-major, uh, they'd go nuts. Uh, Chris, <laughs> yeah, I think you had personal experience when with that in terms, I think I heard a story of someone telling that to Calvin Sampson once, and it, it did not end well for that reporter. But anyways, I digress. Um, so we'll kind of uh, put a final bow into this um, Twitter space. Um, first of all, for everyone that's tuned in that stayed with us throughout the entire show, we greatly appreciate it. If you have any other final comments you'd like to add, feel free to, to raise your hand and we'll we'll get it to you. But for, for the panel, and, and Chris, you'll be included in this panel. Uh, we'll go around in a, in a roundtable discussion, but going back to the UH men's basketball team, going looking into the American Athletic Conference tournament and beyond, what would you say um, is the biggest thing to watch? It could either be a concern, it could be something that Houston needs to to excel in in terms of to being able to to make a deep run not only in the conference tournament but once they get into the big one. Uh, and I'll go first. I think for me, the key for Houston is going to have to be. Really, uh, Jamal sheds the key. He's the engine that, that runs the entire ship for U of H. And like you saw today, when he got in foul trouble, he wasn't on the floor in the first half. And, uh, well, Houston was at, at the get-go. They seemed out of whack. But once Jamal shed left, that's really when it seemed like it, 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 they just looked completely lost on offense. I think Jamal Shedd's going to have to he's going to have to play real safe throughout the, the conference tournament and, and beyond just in terms of limiting his fouls. He has to be on the floor for U of H, especially once they get into the, to, well, obviously it depends on matchups, but once they get to those teams that are athletic, they want to get up and down the court and they don't have Jamal shit on the floor. It's going to be really tough for U of H to be able to, to advance far in, in either tournament. Dan, I'll, I'll let you go second since you're right next to me on my screen. Um, I, I mean, I kind of second that as far as Jamal Shedd being probably the most important. And I will say he is a dog because he plays his best games against the top point guards in our conference. Kendrick Davis and Jalen Cooper, he stepped up best. But he has to continue to extend and make better decision-making and really just settle the group down when those um, opportunities come in those big moments. And also, I think Fade. And Josh, I'm going to put them both in the same boat because they're in a given game. They can have big games. They need to dominate when the opportunity presents themselves inside. And they have to be aggressive to score because it can't just be perimeter offense because, like, we talked about all the different things. It's going to Kyler's um, inconsistency shooting the basketball. 
I think the paint presence and Jamal Shed are the things moving forward most important. Justin, I'll toss it over to you. Yeah, I think the big key going to the tournament this week is this uh, getting rest this week, freshen up those legs after playing four games in eight days. And yeah, pretty much to disagree with all y'all said about Jamal Shed just being that primary playmaker, the ball handler on the floor, and then Fabian White, Josh Carlton, you know, being the anchors under the rebounds. I could, yeah. For sure. Like, I agree with everything that was said. Um, I do think that like, even if Kyler Edwards does have, like, a bad shooting game, we do have so many guys that can step up, you know, with um, having uh, Josh Carlton, Fabian, Jamal Shedd, that we don't have to totally rely on his shooting, which is great. Because I feel like last season when we had a guy like Quentin Grimes, we did have to rely on him a lot to, you know, get cooking. And, and Quentin Grimes was that dude, you know. He, what was he averaging, like, 18 a game? Uh, in yeah. the American, um, so he was that guy. Kyler Edwards, ob- Kyler Edwards, obviously is not that guy, but he he can be, he has shown that potential. Even this, Flashes. yeah, even though he he is a senior now, like he's had games where he's gone off for twenty plus points, multiple games um, at that this season. So it's just about his shooting, and I don't think we have to rely on his shooting that much. It's as uh, as long as we, I think two things is as long as we um, don't turn over the ball, we take care of the ball. And then the other thing is we keep, you know, fighting for the rebounds. I think today we did not do that, both those things well, um, obviously. And that kind of like cost us the games against, uh, especially the first, I mean, this game against Memphis and then also the last game as well. And Chris, what, what will you be looking for in Houston? This is a smart group, man. Y'all didn't leave me much to, to uh, to add, I, I'll just go a little different. The, the defense has to be solid, and the team will have to adjust to how the games are officiated because of the lack of depth, especially in the backcourt. They can't get in foul trouble, but they got to do a better job defending the perimeter and keep guards out of the paint because when the, the defense breaks down and you got to have help defense come over, that's when a lot of fouls start to happen. And that's when Houston really began to struggle. And we'll leave it on that note. Once again, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, real quickly, we'll go again one more time on the roundtable this time, just so you guys can can plug each other, um, plug um, your personal Twitter accounts, anything else you'd like to plug. I'll go first. I, I know I'm talking off the Pasta Jam account, but I have my main account. My name is Andy Anas. You can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Be sure, if you don't yet, follow at Um that we was the official host of this Twitter talk. We'd like to do more of these. We'd like to do more of these Twitter spaces going forward, more of these live post-game reactions. You don't really see that anywhere else. We were able to play a post-game conference from Kelvin Sampson after the game. We had an hour-long discussion, and we, we'd like to hear from you. We had thank you, Miles and Jaja, for, for speaking with us throughout the show. You guys were great. And I'll toss it over to Dan on you. Go ahead. Plug yourself, sir. Yeah, I'm Dayon Dunlap, my co-host here on Pod Slam Majama. Just follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. I've been doing the color commentary for the women's through high school and some other schools. And um, I'm a Houston alum, so it's always go Cougs. Justin, you got your next, sir. What's up, guys? I'm Justin. You can follow me at Barbosa underscore 95. I do some play-by-play around the Houston area. I've been doing some games for Prairie View this season and baseball season coming soon and sometimes occasionally come on the pod slam a jamma 
podcast, but I want y'all to make sure to look around the next couple of weeks. We might have a shirt dropping pretty soon. Yes, you plug that shirt, UH Merch, and Akib, you're next. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Akib uh, M. Ghazi. Um, I, I mean, most of, I did cover a lot of um, Rockets and um, Cougars basketball, but um, kind of moving into the UFC right now. So that's like yeah. a little side thing, a little plug <laughs> for myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm a UH alum, so like I'm always tweeting about, you know, Cougs and stuff. So like you could definitely find me at Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and by the way, I'd like to take this time to say uh, thank you for, I mean, not thank you, but you did a good job uh, with your UFC coverage when they were in Houston uh, last month. That was really good for for Adam follow uh, Houston. So be sure to follow Akib for anything, whether it be basketball or even now UFC. And now, Chris, thank you for being our kind of our signature marquee guest speaker for today's Twitter space. Feel free to plug yourself, man. Thank you for the invite. I'm the old head on this, and I accept that and appreciate that. But um, OG. Oh, yeah, OG. Uh, find me on Twitter at VHRReview. And Andy, me, and Willie Gibson also do our Folks Talking Sports live stream show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And guys, Andy's going to talk to you guys about something else we got in mind. So just thank you for that. But uh, appreciate the opportunity, guys. Look forward to uh, this week. For sure. A lot of it going. Reminder, Friday, that is when U of H will play. It'll be Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. They will play the winner of East Carolina and SMU. Uh, also, the women's basketball team, they'll be into their American Athletic Conference tournament early in this week as well. Uh, Chris, Dayon, what, what seed did they finish with? Did they finish with the five seed or the six seed? They're the six, six seed. seed. Yep, they play Monday against Cincinnati. Layla Blair was also named the second-team all-conference today. There you have it. We have a lot of hoops to discuss in the coming days. That's the best part of the year. It's March. March Madness is officially here with the regular season in the rearview mirror. Thank you again for everyone that tuned in and listened. Share it. Share it with as many people as you can, UH fans, UH alums. We, we like to grow. We got to provide this avenue for you guys. And, and thank you again for joining us.